Hello and welcome to the Edgar Podcast. I'm Rob Chilton, editor of Edgar Magazine. And I'm Nathan Irvine, senior digital editor of edgardaily.com. Coming up on today's podcast, we talk Lewis Hamilton, we go mad for it with Liam Gallagher, we have a cup of coffee, and we talk about Porsche. So Nathan, here we are in Raw Coffee Company in Alcoz, uh, a very cool warehouse cafe if you've not been here before. Uh, we'll be talking to some of the people uh, here later about beans and coffee and uh, clever gadgets that I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but first, uh, the, the new issue of Edgar is out now, uh, featuring on the cover star Lewis Hamilton. Yes, he's becoming quite the fashion icon at the moment with police. He's got a new set of shades and eyewear with them. Right. Yeah, so new collection with Tommy Hilfiger. I think this is his fourth now. It's coming out spring, summer 2020. Mm. And uh, Lewis says that it's all about loyalty. And um, he feels as though uh, loyalty is very important in his career and his, his fashion career as well, but also his career on the track. And he said that, he said, loyalty is seeing someone or something through to the end. I wouldn't be where I am today without my family, friends, fans and team supporting me since day one. Be loyal and you will go far. Makes sense for why he stayed at Mercedes for so long. Yeah, well, now, here's the deal. So here's the news that that everyone's talking about in F1. So he's currently on £31 million a year with Mercedes, but Lewis Hamilton's contract is up at the end of this coming season. Yes. And there's talk that he might uh, go elsewhere. What what are your gut feelings? I think there's there's been talks of Ferrari. They're desperate to sort of get him on board. But I, I, I often think with F1, it is about the car. So I think, obviously he's a great race driver, Like I, I think he'll do great things with Ferrari or any other team that he joins, maybe apart from Force India, um, <laughs> but I, I just don't know. I can't see him in anything other than Mercedes colours. It's yeah. a little bit like you can't imagine Ryan Giggs in anything other than Manchester United's red. I knew, how long did it take to get United in well, <laughs> I tried to get it in sooner, but I, I, you were talking over me. <laughs> and, also, and also, Lewis Hamilton is 35. Mm. So, I know is F1 he? drivers, yeah, yeah, he, he turned 35 in January. So, you've got to be thinking, he's in the, maybe not the winter of his career, but certainly in the autumn. So, would it not be, you know, does he want one more big payday before he quits? Or does he just want that stability? I guess, it dep- as you said, it depends on the car. If Mercedes keeps giving him a great car, mm. why would he go anywhere else? Exactly. And I, he's, he's still winning and he's just, you've just rolled out that, that uh, the, the comment or quote from him about loyalty. <laughs> yeah. So if he, does, if he does move on now, then it goes against everything he's just said. Right. But I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. It, it would make things very interesting in F1. And maybe he does want a new challenge to see if he can do it in a different car. Yeah. Who knows? And of course, he's on the cover of Edgar this month because March the 15th is the start of the F1 season. It starts in Melbourne, Australia. And Lewis Hamilton uh, is going for his seventh world title. That would bring him level with Michael Schumacher. Yes, Liam Gallagher is, uh, is coming to town. He is. And interestingly, you did a little thing in the magazine about the things that you need to know. 17 things. 17 random things. Why don't, why don't you pick a number and I will read out one of the random things about Liam Gallagher. Okay, seven. He has a fear of mice. <laughs> <laughs> what? Exactly. Liam Gallagher, tough right. guy, yeah. not afraid of everybody, rock and roll star. Yeah. He's afraid of little mice. Right, okay. Who, who knew? Who, who knew that? Uh, ten. Liam Gallagher's childhood nickname was Weetabix because he ate so much of it. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. Definitely can understand that, being from a northern town. Right, okay. um, <laughs> uh, two. Uh, 
Uh, Liam does his grocery shopping in Waitrose Supermarket. No. Which, if you're not... Uh, not his big shop. If you're not uh, too up on the, the shopping scene, people, Waitrose, quite a posh supermarket. Liam Gallagher came from a pretty rough part of Manchester. He's, yeah. come, he's come up in the world. I'm not having it. I think he's, a, he's an Asda man. Or, or Morrison's. <laughs> uh, eight. Okay. Uh, he can't drive. Which I guess is fine if you're a millionaire rock star because you have people. Don't you? you have chauffeurs and drivers. And... Interestingly, in his latest video, um, he is the chauffeur for Eric Cantona. Ah. So, you know, he wouldn't have been able to drive him anywhere. Must be one of those flatbed trucks they have in the movies where it's all just fake driving. Yeah. To be honest, I don't even think it shows him driving away. I might be wrong, uh -huh. but yeah. It's the, the, the wonder of television. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting about Liam Gallagher is that when they were at the height of their fame, or when Oasis were at the height of their fame, it was always seen that Noel was probably the one that you would go for a drink with. Right. Like, he seemed like the more approachable, friendly right. one. Whereas Liam, you know, like a Rottweiler, yeah, yeah. Might, might attack you. You never know what's going to happen. But he's transformed yeah. via social media into this everyman person that people just love now. And he's a, he's a great comedic feature uh, on, on Twitter, on Instagram. He does a lot of like talking head stuff as well, and he's, he just seems to be like a really nice bloke now. I totally agree, and, and I think obviously back in the '90s it was an act, and you know he was just going 100 miles an hour. So mm. I think that was his persona, and I get that. But I think you're totally right. As he's gotten older, he definitely seems like he's mellowed, and he admits to his mistakes. He looks great. He looks yeah. better now than he does when he was 23. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's, he's just like he's got. He's lost all that sort of puffiness from his face, and his, mm. his style is always great. His hair is good. He's, by the way, his hair hero. Yes. Is Bruce Lee. Right, okay, I can see, I can see that. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have Liam Gallagher as their hair hero. He mm. has got good hair. Yes, very much so. <laughs> We're joined today on the podcast by Steve Chalmers, who's the editor-in-chief of Yachts Magazine. Hello, Nathan. Hello. 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 And you did our recent Porsche Panamera 4S Sport Turismo review. I did indeed. I uh, spent two... Glorious days in Dubai and Sharjah. What are your favourite three parts about driving the Porsche? Well, the first one, Nathan, is probably the fact that when you're sitting in that driver's seat behind the steering wheel, you're, you're in a Porsche. You're, you don't realise that it's a shooting brake. You don't realise it's got an estate, basically a state behind you. You think you're in a sports car. What is a shooting brake? A oh, shooting brake? Wow. That's, that's a good question. But the modern shooting brake, the original shooting brake was a horse-drawn carriage that right. the people of ex extreme wealth would take with them hunting. Okay. But uh, in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, it became a, a basically a, a sports coupe uh, estate. Right, so okay. So a coach builder would take, say, an Aston Martin, mm. and uh, he'd they would graft an estate part onto the back of it. Right, so okay. it's basically a sports estate. Right. Uh, and very popular in the 80s and 90s, and then... Volvo, Mercedes, and Porsche brought both, well, all three of them have brought it back, and it's going to, it's going to get more popular. Okay, it amazing. Just gives you more space, it gives you the performance and the looks, but with, with space to keep your, your golf clubs. Cool. And your second favourite part? Oh, this is a good one. It, it's got to be the fact that it, it, it's a Porsche. It's got that <laughs> badge. It's got that esteem. I mean, me and Reggie, photographer, went to uh, Jabal Ali, trying to get out of the way to photograph it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we parked up um, a little little gravel bit, little out the middle of nowhere. Now all of a sudden, Ford F one fifty pulls up with the guy in it. Yeah. He gets out, wants to have a look. <laughs> I mean, he just generally wanted to have a look at the car and have a sit in it and, and uh, 
as you wouldn't get that with a, a normal a normal photo shoot. Yeah. So it was the, it was the, the the star power of the of the Porsche. He'd seen it. Yeah. He, was, he drove past, saw it, did a U-turn, come back, and just had a chat with us. Right. And it was like really nice because we were doing a job. Yeah. You know, the other day we were working, and he wanted to come and have a look at. You know, it's a Porsche. It is a sporty looking, low, it's really low. Yeah. It's a big car and it looks like a Porsche and oh. well, it, maybe, it turns people's heads. Maybe you just guaranteed another sale of the Panamera oh, there. Yeah, I also have a 10% commission. <laughs> and what's the, the last thing that you loved about ah, it? This is the fun bit. Uh, for the photo show, we took it up to the auto drive. Right, and yeah. And Porsche laid on a test driver for us. Excellent. And it was basically, Right, what do you want him to do? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know, he's a test driver. Yeah. I'm not going to ask him to gently take this around. I thought I'm going to go to the extreme. I'm going to tell him yeah. to try and, well... Scare you. Yeah, but not scare me, but to, to go past the limits of the car. Okay. So for the photographer, Reggie's sitting there, I want him to try and go, well, if he can, go sideways. <laughs> And did he? No, we tried. Oh. We uh, we tried and tried. We took all the all the stability, everything off. Yeah, he was driving it badly. If that right. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. As yeah. bad as he possibly could to mm. try and get this thing going sideways. To step out, and we couldn't do it. We I mean, we tried hard. Even on some of the really tight bands, it wouldn't yeah. do it. The four wheel drive, the the tires, everything works so well. You, you can't. So here we are with Matt Toogood, he is the CEO of Raw Coffee Company. Uh, hi Matt. Hi, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Um, we're here in your beautiful warehouse cafe in Alcoz. Uh, and I heard you order your coffee just a second ago with a, with a colleague there. What do you drink? Right now I'm going to have an AeroPress made with a natural Burundi coffee. But one of our guys was reading up the other day and came up with this new way of making an AeroPress. And it came out so amazingly well that I, I just want to try it again. I've right. tried it three or four times and I'll see if you can repeat it. How, how was it? What, what was the method that you used? So normally what you have to do with making a coffee is you, your grind size is really, really important on how much of the coffee is extracted into the cup. So this is a really freaky method where we grind it super, super, super fine, even finer than espresso. Right. And then we hit the water just for a few seconds take a super concentrated, so imagine like a super concentrated espresso, and then just add hot water to it. So really, really different, wow. not being done normally, but the flavor profile on this particular coffee is like um, deep molasses, okay. and then it's got like this chocolatey note that goes on top, and then it sort of dances with a little bit of crisp apple on top of that. So, <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. And how many, uh, how many coffees do you have on a normal day? I start my day with at least two double espressos. That's one after another. Okay. That's just to get me going. And yeah. then I'll probably drink another two of those and then probably a couple of brewed coffees during the day. And what happens if you don't have coffee in a day? When was the last day you had zero coffee? Quite often. If oh, yeah, I'm not okay. at work, it, it, I'm kind of one of those people that if it's not going to taste really good, I won't have it. I'd yeah. rather okay. not have yeah. coffee yeah, yeah. than have something that doesn't taste really good. So how has the coffee scene changed in Dubai since you started out? Oh wow, how has it changed? Coffee has completely changed. So when I first moved here with my family, just coming out 12 years ago, I went into a deep depression because I realized that there was no fresh coffee. <laughs> I remember going to Spinney's um, in Jumeirah and seeing a can of 
Billy on the back of the shelf. There was one can. It was 13 months old. Wow. And I got so excited. I rang my <laughs> wife and said, I found 250 grams of coffee. Right. And, and then from then on, we literally, people would ring up saying, oh, we're coming by Dubai. Can we bring you everything? Yes, coffee. Right. How much would you like to bring? How much weight have you got? Okay. And we would just literally order from our favorite roasteries mm. as much weight as they could carry. And were there any coffee shops around at this time? There, there were. There was coffee shop. There was Gerard's, okay. right um, near Magrudy's. Yeah, um, okay. really popular. I tried there once. Um, not my style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was Lime Tree. Okay. Oh, yeah. And coming straight from Auckland, I kind of went into Lime Tree and went, ah, oh, I want to go somewhere different. This is Ponsonby. Mm. This is a great version yeah. of Ponsonby yeah. in Dubai. So um, there was a few. There was a few little places, but not really. Um, when I met up with Kim, I started buying beans from her because she had just started the roastery. Because okay. she's your business partner? Yeah, she's okay. a business partner now. So um, she was doing it, and of course, I knew everything. Uh, I, you know, I, I started to tell her how to, that she could roast better and you know, the typical customer that we have. Um, but you know, what, if we look back now, what ended up happening as soon as we started making fresh coffee in town, anybody who had had fresh coffee before suddenly was just craving. That was, that was it. And that's the number one key, really, okay. is it's got to be fresh. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine that those were the only coffee shops around because now in Dubai, it seems like a new yeah. cool cafe opens up every 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, do you find that the competition has really intensified lately? Okay. I don't know if my facts are 100% correct, but I do know, say, if we look about three years ago, there was about three roasteries in town. Right, yeah. Right? Today, there's 54. Right. In three years. Right, that's roasteries, that's not cafes. Okay. Right? The good thing and the bad thing about the coffee industry is that we can look at the rest of the world. We actually have a crystal ball. We can see right. what's going to happen. Okay. So the most popular thing at the moment is for cafes to think, oh, we'll start roasting our own coffee, mm -hmm. which is a really cool idea. Here's my coffee. Yeah. Here's your AeroPress. Yeah, thanks, mate. Enjoy. Um, so it's, um, you know, let's set up our own cafe, let's start roasting ourselves. But one of the things that's interesting is that it takes about 12 minutes to roast a batch of coffee. Okay. So say you've got a roaster that does five kilos, mm. right? Um, and a more normal cafe, small cafe, might use one to two kilos of coffee a week. Mm. So you're going to be roasting 24 minutes a week, mm -hmm. right? Doing something for 24 minutes a week, you're not going to get very good at it, yeah, right. no matter what yeah. you do. Yeah. Right? And that's the challenge that we found in New Zealand and Australia is that everybody did this eight years ago. Yeah. And it just never, it never kicked off. And so now, if you go down to New Zealand or Australia, yeah. you you see roasters, little baby roasters and cafes covered in dust in the corner. And it looks uh, like a really cool piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> but no one's doing that anymore because you just don't get enough experience okay. in doing it. In terms of, you know, lifestyle, it seems like Dubai just cannot get enough of coffee. Have you got any ideas from talking to your customers? Why, why the Dubai population loves coffee at coffee shops so much. Go back to the traditional Arabic culture, right? What do you do when you first meet in the Arabic culture? You know, you have a cup of coffee, right? right? Yeah. That is a, that is a hundred percent a requirement right. more than, you know, that was a rule mm. before you do anything, <laughs> you start. There's a, there's a funny joke that if you, if you talk to people from Yemen, they say, when you come to Yemen, we'll give you a full cup. When you get to the Dubai, you only get a half a cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that that's the starting point. Yeah. The difference here to say um, the Antipodean world is probably the fact that 
it's more it's much more of a social thing mm. right so people come here to literally meet other people yeah. and if they're not meeting somebody else they're meeting us mm. you know we have regular customers every day where four or five of us will go and have a quick conversation with one of those customers about how they're doing and that starts that's their social part of their day mm. and they'll sit on a coffee for half an hour yeah. whereas at home we would probably you know go in there we'll bang an espresso down in five minutes and then back to work yeah. Um, you talk about keeping the place open so you can ask questions. There are some very complex coffees on your menu. Yes. Do you think people are still today a little bit, you know, like intimidated by the, all these fancy words and fancy machines and like that, or, or are the people are getting more educated? I think that that has been the fault. If there's any fault in the development of specialty coffee over the last five years, is people trying to exclude people right. in the sense that they're trying to make it. You know, look at me, yeah. I am weird and wonderful and I've got the special coffee that you don't understand. Right? <laughs> look, it's brown beans. And it, it is really difficult because there is so much about that little bean that people just don't understand. And I'm learning, literally I learn something new every day. Like this mm. coffee I'm drinking now, it doesn't make sense. All the rules have been broken to make this coffee, but it tastes amazing. Okay. So, you know, yes, you know, there is there is a whole bunch of complexity and people can learn that, but you don't need to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I say to somebody, the best cup of coffee is the one that you like, Yeah. right? Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you that this one's better than that one. Yeah. I mean, I can. I mean, yeah. I'm qualified <laughs> to actually give you a grade on a coffee, yeah. right? So that's, that's what I've got. But if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. I felt almost embarrassed asking for a cappuccino today. Wow. <laughs> I thought, I should be having something in a test tube. <laughs> Look, well, we've, we've got to ask the, the big question, haven't we? That's Go ahead, Nathan. The, 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 man the, the, the burning question. There's a lot of different opinions on this. Yep. But who is responsible for the flat white? Is That's it really New Zealand or Australia? Super easy. Um, Bear in mind that we can't, we can't go on for an hour on this. Okay. <laughs> it, it, is, it is super easy to answer that question. It's obviously New Zealand. And I can probably, By the way, I can probably isolate it down to the region of cafes that actually did it. Just oh, to clarify, yeah. where are you from, Matt? New Zealand. Okay, right. <laughs> but there was a collective of cafes down in Wellington, and there was also a collective of cafes in Auckland. And it either came from one of those two little things. Yeah. So in New Zealand, we call an espresso a short black. Right, we call uh, an Americano a long black. Mm -hmm. Right, flat white came naturally from that. Remembering New Zealand was a nation of tea drinkers, mm -hmm. we didn't like the cappuccino. We didn't like that big foamy monstrosity. So New Zealanders were always saying, just just coffee with milk. Yeah, but, yeah. but like just make it a flatty. Just make it. Just don't mm -hmm. put the foam on top. Just make right. it a flatty. So there was a collection of uh, of coffee shops just off, um, just down by the Basin Reserve that were probably the place where the flat white came from, and then it would have merged when someone went on a holiday to Auckland. What, so, what kind of year are we talking about? Yeah. We would have been talking probably mid-80s. Mm. Is there a good flat white here? Yeah, pretty yeah. good. In fact, our main blend that has been on the menu since the day we opened called Working mm. it was actually built for the flat white. Uh -huh. It was actually designed to be a flat white. That's the bean that I get. Yeah. Okay, there we go. We are joined now by barista here at Royal Coffee Company, Purity Wangare. You are from Kenya, Purity. You've been working at Royal Coffee Company for five years. Yes, I have. Is it a fun job? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Well, we've got some quick fire questions that we're gonna that we're gonna ask you okay. uh, from your position as a as a professional barista, okay. um, and hopefully you'll be able to help our listeners to be better coffee makers. Okay. So here we go. So what what are the common mistakes that people usually make when they're making coffee at home? Ah, that's a very nice question. Yes. And. It's something people do, but some of them actually don't know they do it. Mm -hmm. I would start with the um, quality of the bean. Okay. So people really go for expensive machines. Mm -hmm. Then they end up buying coffee even sold in a supermarket. Yes. Yeah. In open tanks. Mm -hmm. So for me, I will start by a quality, uh, the quality of the bean. Mm -hmm. This means when you're buying coffee, always check the production date. So yeah. by checking the production date, you will know how fresh the coffee is. Mm -hmm. It plays a really big role because if you're buying fresh coffee, then meaning you, it will have more flavors and it tastes better. Right. So number one is quality of the bean. Mm -hmm. Second point is if you're having a brewed coffee, meaning 98% of the coffee is water. Mm -hmm. So always go for filtered water. Right. Yeah. Another thing is uh, the grinding size of the coffee because we have a range of customers who enjoy coffee from an espresso to a cold brew. So most of the time they'll just walk in and be like, grind for me this coffee. Right. Then right. What, will, what will I ask as a barista is, how do you normally have your coffee? Right. So they go, an espresso. So Good. I'll know I need to grind it for an espresso grinding size. So always choose a good grinding size, depending on which coffee you're having. Okay. Another thing will be the temperature of water. Mm. So when you're making coffee at home, you really need to understand at which temperature of water does coffee taste best. Mm. Yeah. Because it actually play, plays a big role. People yeah. don't know because maybe at home you will use this um, kettle that mm. really takes your water up to 100 degrees. Mm. Yeah. But coffee doesn't really taste that good when the water is very hot. So we highly recommend our customers to play in between the range. Which is normally around 92 to 96. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just giving you free info. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> Should we boil the kettle and then let the water sit for a minute and then make the coffee with it? Uh, that's one option, but in this industry, we have uh, kettles that you can control the temperature of yeah. water. Wow. So we highly normally recommend the customer to buy that type of kettle mm -hmm. because it works better. Okay. Yeah. That's what and I then, do at home as well. I, I tend to just leave it, but I know that I need to buy new equipment to, <laughs> to get the best out of the beans. Yeah, and that we've covered mostly is when you're having, let's say, a brewed coffee. Too. Yeah. Let's go to customers who really enjoy an espresso or milk-based coffee. Okay. So most of them really don't know the proper ratio. So let's say you're making a shot of espresso. Yeah. You really need to understand the, the ratio between the coffee and water okay. for you to get that balanced uh, shot of espresso. And now you have your balanced espresso, so how do you frog at, uh, at which temperature does milk really taste good when mm. you mix it with coffee. Mm, yeah. So I would say always go for a right brew uh, ratio between coffee and water. Okay. And then you have to steam your milk at a temperature that milk really tastes good with coffee. Okay. Because when it's too hot, right. then you really mix it with the coffee, it tastes burnt. Okay. So it also has a range yeah. that it really tastes good. Excellent. Yeah. And what is your go-to coffee when you're at home? So what do you like to have on a Friday or Saturday morning? Ah, that's a good question as well. I'm normally an espresso person. Okay. 
But now when I'm home, I don't have the luxury of having a fancy machine like mm. the okay. one we have here. So I normally resort to having a brewed coffee. Okay. And I have a, an AeroPress at home. Mm -hmm. And I prefer an AeroPress because I don't really need much. Because it's that gadget that has everything in one. So you just buy a metal filter, mm -hmm. then you're good to go. Because it has a scoop and then it has uh, measurements on the side. Yeah. So when you have an AeroPress, you don't even need to buy anything else. Mm. You just need water, coffee, and an AeroPress. And it tastes good, and you can make it uh, in different ways. Let's say I want a, a stronger cup of coffee, then yeah. I can play with the ratio. If I want more body, I can play with the grinders. So yeah. I would always go for a brewed coffee, and my choice will be an AeroPress. Okay. Well, that's a stupid question. Is the AeroPress the same as a French press? No, not really. right. Not at all. Okay. Oh, Rob. Because, oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear, Rob. <laughs> oh, dear, Rob. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't drink coffee much. No, I, don't, I, have a French, I have a French press. You have a French press. And I wondered if an AeroPress was a, another name for it. AeroPress, no, no. I think, was invented by the same guy that made Frisbee. Really? Yeah. Mm. Good fact. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good fact. It might be wrong. I've not checked it. <laughs> so who knows? It sounds good now. Okay. Um, but this brings us on to the next question, which is what three things would you say uh, that someone should own at home to become their own sort of barista? So AeroPress would be one of them. Well, yeah. yeah, you can say an AeroPress, but not everyone will enjoy an AeroPress. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. But at the top of my head, I would definitely have a good kettle. Mm -hmm. So a kettle that I can control the, the temperature of water. Okay. Another thing I would recommend is a scale. Right. Uh -huh. So th yeah. those two things, I will keep them constant. Have a scale, have a kettle. Yeah. Then depending on how you enjoy your coffee, especially let's say brewed coffee. So some customers go for strength, some go for taste mm -hmm. and flavor, some go for the body of the coffee. So depending on what you really enjoy in coffee, then you can choose uh, which type of method you would prefer. So let's say you enjoy high strength coffee, you enjoy the strength of the coffee. So I would recommend for you to buy a siphon. Okay. Then let's say, uh, you said you have a French press at home. Mm. So most of the time when you're making a French press, you get more body in your coffee. The mouthfeel, the texture of the coffee is high. Mm. So let's say you're a customer who enjoys more body in your coffee, then you go for a French press. Let's say you enjoy a clean cup of coffee, more flavors. Mm. We recommend either a Chemix or a V60. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did, cool. you, did you write all those down, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off of the supermarket now. Yeah. <laughs> last question, Purity. What's your favorite bean? My favorite bean? Well, I hope I don't really sound biased. Like, <laughs> You're guessing it's good. <laughs> I do enjoy a natural process Ethiopian coffee. Okay. Because I'm just that person who enjoys the floral and fruity kind of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So why I would go for a natural process, it's because it's more sweet and has more wood. There we have it. That was the Edgar podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The new issue of Edgar is uh, on the shelf now. And don't forget to check edgardaily.com. <laughs>